Good morning, Open Arms. So good to be with you today. Just want to begin by saying thank you so much to all of you who invested and gave towards our vision offering last week. We're so grateful for you. We truly believe it's because of the generosity of you that we get to do this. and We get to be a part of it. And we truly believe that where God is leading us to is exciting. And, and it's just exciting for us because we've got hope for our future and the future of the next generation. So thank you so much. Of those of you who are still to give or want to give, please go to the Connect area straight after the service and we'll be able to help you out. So today we're starting a new series. We're starting a new series called Hope for Our Finances. Hope for Our Finances. It's a, it's a follow-on and a series that we've been in, Hope for Our Future. And really, this began a couple of months ago as I, I began to feel convicted. Convicted as a Christian, convicted as a pastor. When I began to hear and experience, even in my own life, the stories of the financial pressure that was happening on every side. You know, we've all experienced it. We've all seen it through the current financial stress, but also the preparation for the financial stress that's predicted to and expected to come our way in the next few months. And so as I was looking at it and thinking about it and having experienced this before in 2008, 2009, right through till 2013, 14, you know, we could all testify in, through our own experience that it's, it's financial strain that can have an, a massive negative impact in our lives. In fact, when you look at marriages, financial strain and financial pressure is the number one problem in the marriage that leads to divorce. In fact, financial strain has the power to cause severe anxiety and worry in us. It can lead to depression. It, it's the one thing that can distract us as parents, as friends, being present, being here in the moment. It can keep us waking up at night. And, and why I felt convicted as, as a Christian, but as a pastor, is to ask the question, where is the help in all this? Where is the hope in all this? You know, what has the Bible got to say about our finances? Now, how does the Word of God relate to the 21st century, 2022, getting ready for 2023, when all I'm experiencing is inflation, a looming recession? What happens is the impact that it, it hits our pockets. And when it hits our pockets, it hits our hands, our wallets, it affects our hearts. And so, the question is, has God in his word given us the tools, the values, the principles to be able to help us in our finances? And I believe that the answer is yes. Yes, God has not just given us his word, he's given us his Holy Spirit to direct us through life, to help us in life, in the practical and in the spiritual. And so what we're going to do, both myself and Brian Somerville, who's our teaching pastor, part of our team, we've put together this six-week series to help you spiritually, practically, and biblically with your finances. And I want to stress to you something. This is not a giving series to get your money. This is a finance series to help you with your money. 
All right, I want you to hear me in that. That's the motivation behind that. It's the motivation because everything I'm hearing, everything we're hearing, the headlines, the media, social media, everything around us is talking about the financial pressure. Well, what does God say about our finances? What, what does the church say and have the life-giving, life-changing word of God have to say about hope for our finances? And that's what it's ultimately to do is to give us hope for our finances, to trust in our provider, not to rely on the provision. We want to share for you the Word of God, and I believe they want to give you hope today. So I want to kick off week one, beginning with looking at the Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. So it begins verse 25. Therefore I tell you, well, it's key, because he's following on there from an important statement that we got to come back to. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Other translations, particularly the ESV, it translates it, do not be anxious about your life. What are we seeing? Anxiety is higher than it's ever been before. We've got people who have constant anxiety and others like myself who, who experiences this, this irregular anxiety that comes in waves, it comes in stress and strain and pressure. And here Jesus begins, do not worry about your life. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Don't be worrying and anxious about fuel, gas, electricity, food, toilet rolls again. Let's not be anxious about toilet rolls. When we hear this, what do we feel? We feel, well, if I don't worry, who will? If I'm not going to be anxious, who's going to be anxious for me? We feel like we, it's, it's our duty that we have to worry. And if we don't worry, then what's going to happen next? He continues, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Yes, we would say. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, which all of us should do and do do. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Yes, we are. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That somehow the longer I worry, the longer I live, the easier it will be. When, in matter of fact, what does worry do? It, it leads to stress. It increases our cholesterol, our blood pressure. It causes heart disease and it takes the life away from you. It sucks the life out of you. Verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear what is he saying here he's talking about food drink clothes material possessions material needs needs that we all have needs that we need to be met needs that what do they all have in common they require money they require our finances we need finances and jesus says don't worry about your money verse 32 for the pagans those who do not believe and follow Jesus run after all these things. Many translations says, seek after all these things. 
And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, what things? Your needs, your food, your drink, your clothes, your fuel, your gas, your electricity. Your, all, all the things that you need and that you require and that you need to have, he says, will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about your future. Have hope for your future. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's the title of my message today. Seek first, worry second. Seek first, worry second. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your money, about your finances. And don't worry about your future. Don't worry about tomorrow for today has enough trouble of its own. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon and for this message, and it really is resonating with me and it's, it's challenging me because to be very real with you, to be very honest and, and transparent, to be vulnerable, I love to worry. There I said it. I love to worry. I love to worry. It, I, for some reason, you know, even as a preacher, one who has, you know, for many years now studied the Word of God and, you know, has learned from God, has, has known and preached, trust in the Lord your God, I doubt. I, I, I waver. I wonder. I worry. And, and part of me loves it. Part of me, like, revels in it at times. Part of me enjoys worrying. In fact, Gillian, my wife, she's pointed out to me recently that I'm beginning to get some gray hairs on the side of my head, the top of my head. Why? Because of worry. Because of stress. And do you know what I worry about? I worry about everything. I worry about everything. It's not as that my life is, you know, so hard and because of that I worry. No. I worry about everything. I worry about my life. I worry about our money. I worry about our future. I worry about the future of my children. I worry about what could happen, what might happen, what might not happen. I worry and, and, and worry all the time. You know, recently, I'll give you a recent example because I want to be real to you. I want to help you because this is a very real thing for all of us. I, I, I've been struggling to sleep for the last four, five, six weeks. And at times I'll be awake in the middle of the night two, three, four, sometimes five or six hours at the night, just worrying, thinking, things running around in my head. I'm worrying about the future of our church and will we get a building? Will it be the right building? I'm worrying about, you know, will we go through another global disaster? Will, will things happen where the rug is pulled from underneath our feet again? Will, will well, you know, what happens if I don't know what to preach? What happens if I, I'm not able to go anymore? What happens if I can't sleep? What happens if I can't ever sleep again? And I just worry. And it's this, this constant, vicious cycle that worry causes me to worry. As a parent, as a parent, I worry about my children. I worry what's going into their brains through TV, the iPad, their friends, their teachers, what they pick off us, what they pick off their families. And you know what? I've discovered this, that what I worry about the most is everything that's outside my control. Everything that's outside of my control. Because I've, I've realized that knowing how hard I may try and protect my children, I'll never be able to protect them 100%. No matter how much I, I, I might try and prepare myself for what is to come, the one thing that I'm not prepared for will most likely happen. 
That, that even though I can be planned financially, I'm financially strong today, everything can be taken away from me tomorrow. So I spend my time, I spend my energy, I spend my health, I spend my life worrying about things that are not within my control. I don't know if anybody else relates to this. Do you, do you worry? Do you, do you relate to struggling with anxiety? Do you stay up late at night or throughout the night worrying about things that are outside your control? Do you worry about the what ifs, the maybes, the could, maybe, might happen, if only? Do you know what the worst thing to say to someone who worries? Don't worry. <laughs> it's like the most, the worst thing that you could ever hear if you say to someone, express to someone, I, you know, I'm worrying, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, and for them to turn around and say, well, don't worry going to be okay. You want to slap the head off them. You know, you want to choose some choice words. You know, I've learned this in my own personal life from a marriage. I'm married 15 years. I'm only starting to learn this now. If Jillian is upset or loud or angry or something's just got her worrying, got her going, if I turn around and say, calm down. There's been times where she's wanted to punch me right in the face. I've had to learn to duck and to dive because I just say, I don't know why it comes out of me. Even though I've learned before, I'll say, calm down, chill out, don't worry. When you hear this, don't worry. What do you want to do? You want to kill that person and it causes you to worry even more. What we want to hear is we want to hear it's going to be okay. I want to hear why I shouldn't worry and what instead I should do with my energy. That, that's what I want to hear. That's what all of us want to hear. And this scripture, Matthew 6, 25 to 34, it answers both of these questions. It looks at why we should not worry. And it also looks at what we should do instead. Three times Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your finances and your money. Do not worry about your future, which, you know, at first it doesn't sound helpful at all. But then he gives us the reason why we shouldn't worry, and what we should do instead. He says, seek first, worry second. Seek God first, worry second. Verse 25 begins, therefore, I tell you. Therefore, I tell you. One writer, biblical writer, he says, when you see the word therefore, you need to look at what's it therefore. Which is totally cringy and corny. But when we read the Bible, we tend to open it up and we read the Bible in sections. We'll read one section that is completely, you know, we're completely oblivious to the section that comes before and after it and doesn't relate to it all. But what we see is the Bible, particularly when you read Matthew 6, you actually discover that it's a part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus did not sit down one day and pick up a pen and paper and begin writing these words out. This is a monologue. This is a sermon that Matthew wrote on account, remembering what Jesus said, and he wrote it. So, so when he's writing it, when we're reading it, we're reading it as one statement. We're reading it as one sermon. So when we read the word, therefore, we have to see that it's a bridge that ties this section to the preceding section. It, it, for example, this way I was thinking about it. It's like me opening up my sermon and preaching you say, that's why you should always wear a helmet when you're cycling. You were like, well, that doesn't make any sense. There's no context here. Well, actually, when I say, 
and share with you the story about the kid who didn't ride, who didn't use his helmet when riding a bike and fell off it, banged her head, went into a coma and died and say, that's why you shouldn't wear your helmet. What does it do? The story and the context gives weight to the instruction. It gives why behind the what. It's a very terrible analogy to use. But Jesus here, as he's saying, therefore, and we pick this up in verse 25, we need to go back and see exactly the why behind the instruction. Do not worry. Just don't worry about your life, verse 25. Don't worry about uh, what you eat or drink, your body, what will you wear. Is life not more than food and body more than clothes? The first look at the section that precedes this life-giving instruction to hear the context that gives it so much weight. This will give us the why behind the statement, do not worry. So we pick up in verse verse 19 to 24. He says, do not worry. Store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. What you focus on gets your attention. What you focus on gets your time, it gets your energy, it gets your mind, but more importantly, it gets your heart. When we worry about money, it gets our attention, but it also gets our heart. When we fix our eyes on God, He gets our attention. He gets our heart. But what happens is we end up spending the majority of our time worrying about the provision of our needs rather than focusing on God as our provider. You see, worry, anxiety is an issue of the heart. Do you trust God in your heart or do you trust your money? Do you trust the provider of your needs or you do you trust the provision? You know, Jesus, he spoke about more money more than any other subject. In fact, he spoke about money more than heaven. We look at some subjects he spoke about uh, in the Bible. We see that there are 500 verses concerning prayer. And there's 500 verses concerning faith. But there's more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Why is this? Because from the Bible standpoint... We need to understand money and how to handle it. For where your treasure is, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Jesus understood more than anyone the power of money and possessions in our life. He knew that we would, not just 2,000 years ago, but today live in an over-commercialized, over-consumeristic culture that centers around getting more stuff and how our psychology and our minds and our behavior can be one where money owns us. Possessions own us. He says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice he doesn't say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be. You know, for some of us, we might say, what if I give Jesus my heart, then the money will follow. That's not true. We need to make a conscious decision to give Jesus our lives, give him our hearts, our mind, our soul, our strength, and our money. And our finances, that he will be the owner, the Lord of our lives. He continues, Matthew 6, 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are focused on God and fixed on God, then you'll see clearly. Then you'll have a clear spiritual vision. Verse 23, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The original word here, the Greek word, the Koine Greek word used for money was mammon. It relates to all material possessions. It's, it's the desire and love for things, for food, for drink, for, for clothes, for your life, your money, and your future. And Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. The original word here used for masters is curios, which is defined and better translated as Lord. He's, here he's saying you cannot serve two lords. Money cannot be the Lord of your life. And God cannot be the Lord of your life. You can only have one for you'll love one and hate the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now what's interesting, I don't know about you if you thought about this, if there was a blank there at God and money, many of us would not put in money. We would say you cannot serve both God and the devil. Or you cannot serve both God and the world. Or you cannot serve both God and yourself. But instead, Jesus chose the one word, the one topic above all others that you cannot serve both God and money. Why is that? Because he knew, Jesus knew that money and along with the quest for more would be the chief competitor for our hearts. It would be the very thing that would steal our heart, that would consume our mind. He understood the power of money and how money, possessions, and stuff can have the power to own us rather than us owning our possessions. The NLT, New Living Translation, says, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot allow money to owe you, own you, and you cannot have God own you and not your money. In the message translation, it makes the statement, you can't worship God and money both. You see, what you worship, you place first. What you value, what you serve, the Lord, the master, the God of your life, what you serve and worship and obey, you value it, you honor it, and you place it first in your life. So therefore, verse 25, from this place, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Why? Because your heart should be entrusted to God. For where your treasure is, there your heart should be also. Because your eyes must be fixed on Him. A healthy eyes, healthily on Jesus, will bring light to your life. And if He's not Lord of all your life, guess what? He's not the Lord of your life. If He's not the Lord of all your life, then He's not the Lord of your life. You must worship Him, serve Him, obey Him, and give Him everything that you have as the Lord of your life. That's the why. That's the motivation. That's the why you should not worry. So this leads into our next question. Well then, what should I do instead of worrying? Here we go. Seek first, worry second. Verse 31 says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All requiring money, all requiring finances. For the pagans run after all these things or seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, when I want to go deep into teaching here for a moment these last few minutes that I have with you. 
I want to point out to you because this goes over our head. Me, myself, and reading and studying this this week, it became like a light on a page. I saw it. And there's a similarity between both of these statements in verse 32 and verse 33. There's a similarity between both actions that are taken, but the motivation behind our worry is completely opposite one from the other. Verse 32, for the pagans, which is those who don't believe in Jesus, who don't follow Jesus, who don't depend on Jesus, run after all these things or seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But verse 33 says, believers, but Seek first his kingdom. Seek is the first word in verse 32. It's also the word that's used in verse 33. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now as I said, when we look at the original Koine Greek of the word seek. Why I say this is important because all the different translations, there's so many, there's so many different translations of the Bible is because we have one word in the Greek, it has many meanings in English, but when we look at the original Koine Greek in verse 32 of seek is epizeteo. And this word epizeteo, it means to intensively demand and crave for. It is to wish for and clamor after a desire or need. How many of us have said this? Oh, I wish I could just have this. Or, or, or I have a craving for this one thing. Or if I could only get this in my life. And what happens is we spend our lives trying to pay for the desire that we want or need. We, we spend our lives trying to save up for this or even to take a loan out and go into debt for this. We give up our time with others who we love, our family, our friends, our loved ones, all so that we can fulfill this desire and find this need in our lives. But when we get it, when the desire is fulfilled, what happens? We move on to the next thing. Why? Because it never brings fulfillment in our lives. This is the new thing that I want today, but next month it's the old thing and now I need something new or I need someone new. Because, the why? Because our fulfillment was in the pursuit of the desire rather than our fulfillment being in the experience of the desire of the need. Why? Because it'll never meet our needs. It'll never meet our desire. But in verse 33, the same word is used. Pagans run after all these things. They seek these things. Believers seek first the kingdom of God. The original word here is very similar. It's zeteo. It means to worship God. It means to have a desiring endeavor. It means to seek in order to find by thinking, meditating, reasoning, and inquiring to find. In fact, it's the same word used in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me. The Hebrew word bakash. It has the exact same meaning. To seek out and search out in worship and in prayer. To seek in order to find. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and what? And you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart. When you seek God first, you will find him. And when you find him, you will experience in him a constant, a never-ending fulfillment and nothing else that no one else could ever fulfill in your lives. When you seek God first, all these things will be added to you. Why? Because when you have God, everything else comes second. When you seek first, 
You worry second. When you have God, nothing else matters. When you go after all these things, it never brings fulfillment. It never fulfills the desire and the need. But when you seek first, you never have to worry. When you seek God first, you never have to be anxious. When you seek God first, everything is given to you. And all things are added to you. Seek Him first. What? His kingdom, His righteousness, His kingdom values, His kingdom principles. Seek the word of God for your hope in your finances, not the world. Is there worldly wisdom that we can apply to our life? Yes, 100%. But we need to be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His provision, not my provision. His strength, not mine. His grace, His mercy in my life. This, and then it says, these things will be given to you as well. It's the fruit of our faithfulness. It's the reward for our obedience. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. Stop worrying. Stop worrying about your life. Stop worrying about your money. Stop worrying about your future. Seek first God. Worry second. November 2019, Isaac, my son Isaac, I got four boys. The third boy, Isaac, who was born with a hole in his heart. November 2019, Crumlin Hospital. And he went to do a keyhole surgery to be able to heal and put their heart together. And they came out to us and they told us the surgery was unsuccessful. He was going to have open heart surgery. They were going to have to crack open his chest just to sew his heart together. And they were so brutal, and they have to be. They were so brutal in their details, the what could happen, the consequences, what might happen. And I've never gone home to my own home at night ever been so racked with guilt. Asking God the question, what are we going to do? In that moment, I had to choose, seek first, worry second. There's nothing I can do. It's outside of my control. All I can do is seek first, worry second. February 2022, this year, Jill got so bad with postpartum depression. I had to bring her to hospital. I had to check her in. And in the days that followed, there were days where I went to visit her and I thought, would she ever get better? Would it always be this way? Thinking those nights, being racked with worry, with anxiety. Thinking, how are we going to get through this? I had to make the choice. Seek first. Worry second. April 2022. All of us know my, my dad, his private failings, sin, becoming public, caused so much pain in me, in my family, in our church. And that first night, it was a Thursday night. It was the weekend before, April 1st, our conference. Up all night, racked with worry and anxiety. How are we going to get through this? What could happen? What people will think, what they will do, how people respond. Ah, da, 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 the maybes, the cause, the one, the da, da, da. I'm seek first. I'm going to worry second. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. And everything else is secondary. If it all goes, if it all hits the fan, if it all unravels, hey, 
I'm going to seek first. I'm going to worry second. I truly believe this is life-changing content. This Word of God is powerful and is the power to change your life and how you live your life. How do I know this? Because it's changed my life. Constantly, continuously. I'm sharing with you recent worries. Not worries that happened 10 years ago. This is a constant battle of mine. I go back to the start. I love to worry. Why? Because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel in control. But I'm no more in control if I worried or I didn't. It's when I put God first. It's when I seek Him first. It's when I zeteo. I worship after God, search after Him with all my heart. It's when I, when I desire Him, when I find my, my fulfillment in Him, everything else is added to my life. How about you? Where do you need to seek first and worry second? Where do you need to seek God first today? What do you need to surrender? What do you need to lay down? What do you need to stop Worrying. Do not worry. Why? Because it adds nothing to your life. Don't worry about money. You cannot serve both God and money. Place your heart in Jesus. Place your treasure in Jesus. Place your faith in Jesus. Everything else will come after that. Where do you right now? Hey, what, why don't we do this for a moment? Why don't you just close your eyes, bow your heads with me for a moment. What do you need to lay down at the altar? Where do you need to seek first? Where do you need to stop worrying? Who do you need to stop worrying about? The situation, the circumstance, the healing, the provision. You're racking your brain with worry. You're, you're filled with anxiety. Bring it to a calm. Lay it down at the feet of God and just say, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. In your righteousness, I'm going to believe that you're going to add it to me. Lord, right now I pray for every person that hears my voice right now. God, I pray with your anointing. We know that your spirit is here. The presence of God is here. Will you begin to change our minds from being worry-focused instead to be worship-focused? Will you help us rather than worry and anxiety is the first thing we go to. We wear it like a badge on our, on our top because we think that somehow we're a martyr for ourselves in the situation. But instead to lay that down and seek God first. Place Jesus at the center. He is our focus. And he's the one who has our heart and nothing else has. In Jesus' name, amen.